My name is Erin Lasley. I've traveled many different roads in my life. I've been a law enforcement officer and first responder in the United States Coast Guard. I've worked in a couple of psychiatric hospitals, but now I'm a professional historian and podcaster. I've also had an interest in true crime for most of my life. In this podcast, I study some of the most notorious crimes through the lens of a historian and analyze what may have inspired criminals, investigators, and even society during the commission of those crimes and investigations. Join me as we look into the history behind the crime. Hello everyone and happy holidays. I hope everyone is enjoying your Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever special holiday you observe this time of year. Since there's been a long delay between each episode, I wanted to give you this short little bonus episode and answer some listeners' emails and other questions that have come my way recently. Uh, First, uh, this came from Ashley N. Aaron, pretty cool podcast. I like the Salem Witch Trials episode and even my boyfriend got into it. I'm a history buff and I was curious, what kind of historian are you? You've never mentioned it on the podcast. And Ashley, uh, the Salem Witch Trials episode was one of my favorites too. And I'm glad that I was able to hook your boyfriend in onto the podcast. I'm it. Uh, as for the kind of historian I am, I'm a military historian and I work for the Department of Defense, but I've gone out of my way to separate my job from the podcast. So I don't mention what branch I work for or really think any, anything about my career because the DOD may not agree with or support the ideas of my podcast. And yeah, the lawyers make me say that. Um, And if that lawyer is listening, you know, I do appreciate it. I can say this. My job is to document the annual history of my unit. Rather than concentrate on things that happened uh, like maybe 40 years ago, I concentrate on things that are happening now. Uh, I gather documents and interviews, I analyze them, and I write a comprehensive narrative about this past year's events. Uh, I'm the kind of historian that spends much of my time at work documenting history rather than studying it. When I'm not working, I study a lot of modern European history, which is about, you know, like 1500 to present, uh, American civil rights, uh, American history during World War II and the Cold War. And sometimes I venture into like 19th century American frontier history. But um, other than that, I've done other specialized studies with modern Russian history, Russian Cold War economics, snooze, uh, the American Depression, modern German history and economics, and even um, African colonial history. Uh, Funny thing about all that, I used to hate, hate writing papers in college and would like procrastinate until the last minute. Uh, but writing papers all day is quite literally what I do for a living now. It's kind of interesting how your life works out that way. Uh, anyway, Ashley, uh, thanks and tell your boyfriend I said, hey. 
All right, so the next one, uh, this came to me a few weeks ago. Aaron, the podcast is getting so much better. Thank you. And I like the recent changes you've made. Maybe you can invite a guest or two and make the podcast weekly. Thank you for letting us know which books and documentaries you use for your episodes. I just read The Lost Women of South Central, and I wasn't really surprised by any of it. I grew up in Orange County and saw a lot of the L.A. gang violence and crack problems on the news and heard my parents talking about it. But they were more scared of creeps like Richard Ramirez, who was also killing at the time. And we had no idea there were multiple serial killers in South Central at the time. The police should have shared that information with the public or at the very least with the families of the victims. Keep on getting those episodes out, Jackie and Sacramento. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, I think the podcast is slowly getting better, too. Uh, it's nice to hear that someone other than my mom, um, who is, of course, my number one fan, is um, telling me that I, I still need to like keep improving. Yeah, uh, so the 1970s and the 1980s were kind of scary for a lot of people living in California. Uh, at the time, it was considered the golden age of serial killers, and it seemed like most of them were located on the West Coast and specifically in California. And I thought people were freaky up here in Washington. Uh, for the most part, you only heard of offenders like the Hysteria Rapist, the Night Stalker, and the Hillside Strangler. Because, I mean, for the most part, they targeted pretty women or suburbanite families. However, the press and sometimes the police... Uh, didn't pay that much attention to sex workers, um, sex worker killings or deaths in marginalized communities for many different reasons, including racism and the belief that sex workers were just the dregs of society. Uh, society and police, uh, we've gotten a little bit better, uh, but we still have a long, long way to go. There are still sex workers out there that are being hunted by predators and their cases are not thoroughly investigated. And we're still marked by uh, what we've started calling the missing white woman syndrome, uh, where we concentrate so heavily on these cases of uh, missing or killed white women. And we seemingly ignore cases of missing individuals or, or homicides in marginalized groups. Everyone is important and deserves equal treatment. So uh, also for your suggestion of bringing guests onto the podcast, I am working on that and I do have something lined up. Um, at first I thought he and I could talk about the importance of historians, but then he dropped like this this like true crime bombshell on me and it just like oh my god that's gonna fit so perfectly in the podcast uh so he and i are setting up a, a date uh to when we can record that because he's on the east coast and i'm on the west coast but uh yeah so i'll have more to come on that later as for weekly episodes girl i am trying but um it's difficult enough for me to like get two episodes out a month but if I could do weekly podcasts, I would. Uh, if I ever like kind of get help in researching or 
or editing, I can definitely do that. But for now, we're just going to go with a, hey, hope to get two out every month. And if we can get more out perfectly. And when I say we, I mean me and, you know, my two dogs. Okay, so um, the next um, is David in Tulsa, who messages me a lot, stalker, and wanted to know what I did in the Coast Guard and also what got me into podcasting. Um, so in the Coast Guard, I did a lot of scrubbing toilets and bathtubs. And um, yeah, I was what you called back then a non-rate. I, I did not have a, um, a rated um, position. Uh, but I also uh, participated a lot in search and rescue and law enforcement at a small boat station in Maryland. With search and rescue, uh, the Coast Guard responds to anything uh, maritime related from boats taking on water, boats on fire, medical emergencies, missing persons, vessels adrift, vessels run aground, boat collisions, etc., etc. And I have responded to all of those. Uh, there are times when search and rescue cases, they actually turn into law enforcement cases. I uh, don't necessarily share a lot of stories, but uh, one time my crew and I responded to a, a call for, uh, for a sailboat adrift. Uh, we got on scene, boarded the vessel because we needed to ascertain if anyone was on board. Because, you know, you normally think, well, maybe somebody was on board, they had a medical emergency, and they lost control of their boat. This time, we boarded the boat and immediately found blood and brain matter on the bow. And that was one of those holy shit moments, and we backed off pretty quickly and called for investigators, which in this case was the local sheriff's department. The man who owned the boat turned out he was an important media guy in Baltimore and he was missing. So everything like went on to red alert. We spent hours and hours conducting search patterns. And a um, few days later, uh, we got a call uh, from a boater that he had come across a body. And it was the man that we were looking for. When he was pulled up, part of his face was gone, and there were anchors tied, uh, tied around his, his ankles. My first thought was murder, uh, but after an investigation, it was determined that the man suffered from post-surgical depression, and he had committed suicide uh, with a shotgun. Uh, what had happened is that he sat, on, he sat on his bow, he tied anchors around his ankles, and he shot himself. It was really gruesome. Uh, not really one of my um, favorite days in the Coast Guard. And it's definitely a case that still haunts me today. So if you're wondering what law enforcement in the Coast Guard looks like, uh, it can be either pretty standard or incredibly intense. Uh, just like your local police officers. Uh, we never knew uh, what was going to happen next. Uh, many times our days were spent conducting uh, safety checks on boats and vessels. Uh, sometimes there were cases of boating under the influence. Um, sometimes there were domestics. But Coast Guard, uh, we, you know, there, there was also piracy, uh, drug enforcement, and immigration interdiction. 
We didn't get a lot of those last three in the Chesapeake Bay, but it happened. When I was active duty, boarding team members, which are kind of like federal law enforcement officers and boarding officers, which are federal law enforcement agents, uh, were trained both at their stations and at the federal law enforcement training center, which most federal officers, uh, including the DEA, United States Marshals, ICE, ATF, Coast Guard, Homeland Security, that's where they all train at. And it's pretty intense. It's anywhere from a, um, a two-week course uh, to several months. And I, you know, I had a, I had a blast doing it. Now, I also like to brag that at one time in my life, I was a law enforcement um, officer. Uh, but the truth is, I wasn't very good at it. I loved it. I really did. I loved helping people. Uh, but at that time in my life, I was really, I was just too immature to understand the gravity of what I was doing. And I think that I was maybe too nice at times. Uh, I think today I would be a pretty good cop, but, um, alas, I am too old and too pudgy. Uh, so any self-respecting criminal could definitely outrun me pretty easily. Yeah, but I, I did, and I did enjoy my very short law enforcement career and I learned a lot from it. So how did I get into podcasting, David? Uh, when I deployed for my job, I listened to a lot of podcasts, including My Favorite Murder and Small Town Dicks, uh, which are still two of my favorites today. Both podcasts and their hosts, they, they grounded me and, you know, made me feel not so alone when I was so far from home. I, at that point, I started like kicking around the idea of maybe doing my own when I got home. But I always, I kept putting it off until about uh, last year, I was asked to um, guest on a local podcast, uh, Grit City Stories, and I loved it. It was so much fun. I mean, I got to talk for like two or three hours. We did like three episodes and, you know, I love talking. So it was so much fun that I ended up, I bought some equipment, I came up with my niche and started recording. Yeah, obviously I'm still working at trying to get it right, uh, but so far I really love podcasting and I get a thrill whenever I discover that I have another listener. Uh, it also keeps me busy. And uh, when researching, uh, I always learn something new every episode. And, you know, I'm such a nerd that I, I love that part. So David, uh, thank you for your questions and thank you for listening. Finally, I had an email come in a few days ago from a listener who, who, who didn't want to be named or who just forgot to put their name in the email. And that's cool. Hey there. So this listener wanted to know why I didn't do more really old crimes. Truthfully, I don't really like old crimes. I mean, who who likes old crimes? What I meant was um, they don't really interest me, which is kind of strange because, yeah, I'm a historian and I'm not interested by old crimes. I like studying more recent events and figuring out how history 
influence those events like I do on this podcast. I take more recent crimes, criminals, or you know, social phenomenon and figure out what historically influenced those things. To me, you know, it's, it's good fun and I must be doing something right because you're listening to this right now. You know, if you guys do want to listen to like an old crime podcast, may I recommend Buried Bones uh, with Kate Winkler Dawson and, you know, my favorite, Paul Holes. And it's a new podcast that just came out this season. Kate is an awesome writer and journalist. And you guys definitely got to read Death in the Air. That was, oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to do an episode on that book. It was just, it was awesome. Anyways, she presents old um, cold cases and Paul, you know, retired, he's a retired cold case investigator and, um, and criminalist. He looks at them through a modern forensic lens. So it's, it's entertaining and it's nerdy and I, I can't get enough of it. It's awesome. That really does it for this bonus episode. I just wanted to give you guys a little something uh, in between episodes. Uh, If you guys have any questions, if you have uh, personal true crime stories, uh, or any tips from previous missing persons or cold cases I presented in the past, please reach out to me. Uh, You can do that at thehistorybehindthecrime at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at the history behind the crime. Uh, I'll have a new full-length episode out in a few days. I'm almost there. I'm almost working on it, but I keep getting sidetracked by um, all these books, and I think you'll understand. But I'm also working on the next two uh, episodes after that as well. So, so until then, friends. Have a very enjoyable holiday and take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Happy holidays.